Decisions are important because many of, many of the blessings you receive will come in the form of opportunities. Many of the blessings from God you will receive will just come in the form of opportunities. But opportunities are dangerous because opportunities have expiration dates. So many times your blessing is contingent upon you making the right decision at the right time. The right decision at the right time. And we, we, in ministry, we've seen this for years. There, there have been people that have incredible gifts musically. They got a great knowledge of music overall. They've got a great voice. You know, they got a great look, marketable and all that. But uh, they, they waited too long to start their music career. You know, 45 is not a good age to start your music career. You know, the, the, all of the opportunity was there, but the window of opportunity closed because they didn't make the right decision at the right time. Decisions are your power to step through the doors of opportunity that God opens in your life. I'm going to say that again. Decisions are your power to step through the doors of opportunity that God opens in your life. And so that means that there's a direct correlation between your decisions and your destiny. I'm going to say that again, just repeat myself. There's a direct correlation between your decisions and your destiny. Now, when you talk to church folks about destiny, they get real mystical and real spiritual. Let's take all that stuff out of it for a second. What is destiny? It's the destination. It's where you end up. So there's a direct correlation between your decisions and where you end up. Your decisions are the steps you take toward your destination. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Your decisions are your steps. Your decisions are your steps. Now, they've been ordered by the Lord. In other words, God has ordered the opportunities to come your way. God has ordered the abilities to come your way. He's ordered the gifts to come your way. But you have to make the decision. Now, when your decisions do not line up with the destination that God has planned and ordered for you, you end up walking around in circles. When the children of Israel exited Egypt, when God parted the Red Sea, they were a 40-day journey from there to their promised land. And what should have taken 40 days took 40 years. Why? Because they started taking steps that were not ordered. They started making dumb choices, dumb decisions. And dumb will always cost you time. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. Dumb will always cost you time. And so there's that correlation between the decisions that you're making and the destination you're walking toward. There's a God-ordered destination for your finances. There's a God-ordered destination for your family. There's a God-ordered destination for your business and for the future that you're trying to attain. God has already ordered it. He doesn't need to do it. He's already done it. But you have to make the right decisions. So let's talk about decision-making, dynamic decision-making. Point number one, bad information never leads to good decisions. 
Oh, Jesus. Bad information never leads to good decisions. Have you ever made a decision and then you get some new information and then you look back at the decision and you say, if I'd have known that, don't look at your spouse. If I'd have known he is a hundred thousand dollars in debt and bipolar, I, <laughs> might not have made that decision. You can have a you can have a competent, educated, brilliant judge sentence someone to life in prison, and then with DNA evidence and a lawyer coming to make an appeal, they will have to go in and change the decision because of new information. It's so important before you make a dynamic decision in your life that you gather as much information as possible. It changes decisions. It, it helps frame your perspective of what a good choice is. Look at Luke 14, 28 through 32. Luke 14. 28 through 32, Jesus is teaching. He said, which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and count the cost, whether you got enough to finish it? Lest after you laid the foundation, you're not able to finish and all who see it begin to mock you. Then he talks about which of you would go to war uh, with 10,000 if you didn't first count the cost and see if you were able with 10,000 soldiers to defeat 20,000 coming against you. In other words, Jesus is teaching the value of getting information good information before you make the decision. It's the season for some businesses to start in this church. I feel it in my spirit. It's the season for some of you that have businesses to expand, to buy some more property, to do some more things. Listen, I am not one of the proponents of this, this circle of prophecy going around that there's shortages coming and lack coming and loss coming and famine coming and more sickness coming and more plague coming. The plague is over. It may come for other people, but for you, you're going into a time of blessing, expansion, strength, increase more and more. You're in a season where God is saying to you, I'm going to restore. I saw everything you lost. I saw the opportunity the pandemic cost you. I saw the frustration. I saw how you had the desire to expand your business, but you weren't able to because of the environment that the pandemic caused. So now I'm going to restore the opportunities and the people and all of the relationships and all of the finance that you lost along the way. But with that said, God's setting up the opportunity, but we have to do some digging in the realm of information. We have to do some counting of the cost. We have to do some analysis to make sure that when the opportunity presents itself, that we are able to step into what God has provided for us. And just because God's provided it doesn't mean you don't need to assess it. Oh, hallelujah. Just because God has provided it doesn't mean you don't need to investigate. It doesn't mean you don't need to maybe get another set of eyes on it. Maybe get a business mentor or a business counselor to look into it. Maybe get hooked up with a good person in real estate. It'd be a terrible thing for you to expand and buy, you know, a warehouse and the warehouse has problems underneath the cracks of the foundation. You got to get the information before you make the decision. And all of us know this at some level. You know, we, we understand that you shouldn't make dynamic, life-changing decisions without getting the information you need. And yet sometimes we make dumb choices anyway. 
You ever made a dumb choice? You know, why do we do? Why do we do that? Why do we chase dumb? Well, sometimes it's just being dumb for dumb's sake. And I've learned you, you have to, and it's all of us at some level or another, you have to mature out of dumb. You kind of have to live and age your way out of dumb, out of dumb financial decisions. You know, getting a Starbucks every day on the way to work. Look at what you spend on coffee, on your credit card statement. It will shock you. If you took that same money and invested it over the course of a year, you'd be shocked at what you could get. But, but you, you kind of have to mature out of dumb. And, and you know, if you're, if you're stuck in your chasing dumb season and you're not ready to exit that, I'll have another message for you at some point later this year. I can't help you today. But, but another reason that we, we make bad decisions is we rush the process of decision making. We don't follow it through. We don't take everything into account and think about it like we should. And then we live with the repercussions of bad choices. You know, an ignorant man said one time, when you don't know what to do, do something. And you're laughing, but you've done that before in your life. You just jumped out there into something dumb and then you start praying that it works. <laughs> Hoping that it works. Wishing that it works. And now you and everybody in your circle are living with the repercussions of your bad decision and you're angry and you're bitter and you're frustrated, not even with people and not even with God. You're upset with yourself because ultimately you were the one that made the decision. What causes us to rush? Fear. The uncomfortability of uncertainty. See, many times when you're making a big decision that's important, has a lot of weight on it. You're not feeling negativity associated with the decision. What you're feeling is the negativity of the uncertainty. And you have to rationalize which one of those you're feeling. You know, it, it may not be, you know, your spiritual discernment kicking in, you know, sensing that there's a problem with this decision. It may just be that you've never put this much on the line before. And, you know, occasionally, sometimes in life, you got to put it on the line. You know, you don't want to be walking around in a nursing home thinking back in your mind that you never took a risk. You never invested. You never made a big step. You never swung for the fences. You never put it all on the line. You never made a big decision. You, you don't want that. We're people with a takeover spirit. We're people that believe in God and therefore we believe in ourselves because if God loved us enough to send his son to die for us, there must be something good down in there. Now, maybe people haven't seen it yet. Maybe we haven't even seen it ourselves, but we believe in the possibility that is inside us. And I'm telling you, there's some champions in this room. There's some multimillionaires in this room. There's some governmental movers and shakers in this room and you get there by making dynamic decisions you know and so while I'm not telling you to be reckless I'm also telling you that playing it safe is no way to live your life 
never going for the promotion because you're scared of the you're scared of the rejection you'll get if you you know if you'll feel if you don't get it. That's no way to live your life. Never stretching out for a better opportunity at work or never stretching out to advance your business. That's a decision in and of itself. Playing it safe and never taking any chances and not believing on God and relying on God when he opens those windows of opportunity. That's a decision in and of itself. It's a decision to stay stuck. When God led the children of Israel to the border of the promised land, God said, see, I've given it to you. And they looked at it and they said, yeah, but there's giants. In other words, they wouldn't make the decision out of fear, out of the uncomfortability of uncertainty. And, and they, they, they wouldn't step out in faith and believe that God could give them something bigger than what they were currently living with. And you can't be those kind of people. You cannot get stuck in a season and fail to believe that God could bless you with more than you have right now. I want you to think about what you got right now. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. What's in your account? What's in your net worth? What's in your house? How much, how much equity do you have? What's in your business? What's it now? Now get it on your mind. Now think about it. Do you believe God could bless you with more than you have right now? Now that's hitting some of you. That's hitting the wall, you know? Do you believe that God could bless you with more than you have right now? How, how could he do it? Well, he could do it supernaturally, or he could do it through an investment, or he could do it through an advancement of something or an expansion of something. But, but I want you to start thinking, what would it take? What would I have to do to partner with God opportunities that come in my life? And what decisions would I have to make to advance? Don't die in the wilderness when God has a promised land for you because of fear the uncomfortability of uncertainty, and then number three, a paranoid, nervous mind. You know what I found? Sin produces paranoia, okay? Now, I'm talking about, we're, we're all sinners. Romans says that all of sin comes short of the glory of God, but I'm not talking about that in, in that sin. I'm talking about the things you know to do that are right and the things you know not to do that are wrong on your level where you're at there are things that you know you're not supposed to do and when you do those things that you know you're not supposed to do it creates paranoia and nervousness okay a paranoid nervous mind is a terrible place to try to make a decision in because you don't know what you're feeling. You don't know if you're feeling paranoia because it's not the right move, or you don't know if you're feeling paranoia because there's something wrong on the inside of you. What it does is it discombobulates your senses and makes you unable to make a quality decision. So when you're committing willful sin against what God has told you, against what you know is right, against what you know God has said, not only does it have the negative spiritual ramifications, but it has negative ramifications on your decision-making abilities. Okay. So those three things, that fear, that uncomfortability of uncertainty, and a paranoid, nervous mind. But 
to those who have made a lot of bad decisions, to those who have made a lot of poor choices, and you're still dealing with some of the negative aftermath of those decisions, God has a promise for you in our text. In Psalm 25, 8, David says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he even teaches sinners in the way. God said, I'm so good, I don't even need your goodness. In fact, come to me with your sinful, misled, broken, incapable ways. And I'm so good that I'll teach you how to make decisions. I'll teach you how to move forward and advance in your life. I'll teach you how to get promotion. I'll teach you when to expand and when not to, when to hire, when to fire. I'll teach you because I'm good. Oh, hallelujah. A good God like that deserves a praise, does he not? Good. Hey, God is good. 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 Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice and the humble he teaches his way. It doesn't say the smart. You ain't got to be smart to do this. You ain't got to be smart to be successful. You ain't got to be smart to be a millionaire. There's more millionaires that don't have a college degree than there are that do. Biblical key, humble. If you be humble, God will teach you things. And then he says in verse 10, all of the ways or all of the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. I love that dynamic. I love that pairing. Not so much truth that there's no mercy, but not so much mercy that there's no truth. Mercy and truth. Truth enough to tell you when you're wrong. Merciful enough to accept you anyway. Then he says, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. This is the gospel. This is the gospel in Psalms. For your own namesake, Lord, pardon my iniquity. In other words, I don't have anything to offer you that you could look at and say on the basis of that, I'm going to forgive you. So God, I'm going to offer back to you your own name. By the power and authority and grace of your own name, will you forgive a man that has nothing to offer you? Will you forgive a man that's not even totally able to repent without your help? For your own namesake, will you pardon my iniquity? It doesn't say for your namesake, will you pardon my sin? It says for your namesake, will you pardon my iniquity? Sin and iniquity are different. Sin means when you miss the mark. You know, you were aiming at the bullseye, but you hit the outer ring instead. That's sin. You missed the mark. Iniquity is when you know something's wrong and you said you wouldn't do it again, and then you went back and did what you said you wouldn't do again. He says, for your own namesake, Pardon the crazy part of me, the addicted part of me, the junky part of me, the sick, twisted part of me that knows to do better and does bad anyway. For your name's sake, Lord, 
pardon my iniquity. Now, you may not shout about it today, but the only reason we have a right to approach a pure and holy God is because on the basis of his own name, he's, he's pardoned our iniquity. On the basis of his own grace, he has pardoned our, our iniquity. Then in verse 12, he really starts showing off. He says, who is the man that fears the Lord? He says, who is the man that fears the Lord? The word fear there means to honor, to respect, to honor, to respect, to honor and to respect. When you honor and respect the Lord, he says he will teach him in the way he should choose. You realize what he's saying here? He's saying God will teach you what to choose. When you don't know what to choose, when you got a decision, you know, I either need to go left or I need to go right. God, I'm confused about this thing. I either need to expand or I need to reduce and reload. I don't know who to hire. I, I don't know what direction to go. I don't know if I should relocate or if I should stay put. He says God will teach you what to choose. What a verse. Point number two making dynamic decisions, repent of your sin, rely on the grace of God, and then receive God's power into your decisions through prayer. Repent of your sin, rely on the grace of God, and receive God's power into your decisions through prayer. And then verse 13, he said, the person that does that, he himself shall dwell in prosperity. That's what I'm releasing. Some of you can feel it. That's what I'm releasing today. I'm telling you the spiritual calendar has changed over. We are in a different season. God has hit the restore button, the reset button. Things will not be like they have been. The pandemic is over. The curse of COVID is gone. You're going to see more and more things in the natural world and the marketplace begin to open up and expand. And, and listen, You've been ahead of the curve. This church has been ahead of the curve in the fact that we did not bow to fear. We've been ahead of the curve that we refuse to let the enemy take our voice and muzzle us and cause us not to praise our God and cause us not together. We've been ahead of the curve, but you can't afford to be behind the curve on the decision making and the expansion and the advancement and using the tools that are available now and leveraging them into an upgrade in your life. There's some investments that need to happen. There's some promotions that need to be gone for. There's some, there's some stuff that needs to be researched. There's some real estate that needs to be looked at. There's some houses that need to be sold and more houses that need to be bought. There's some things that need to happen. There's some restructuring of mortgages. There's some lower finance rates that are available. There's a whole lot of things that are happening right now. And we can't be ahead of the curve on the fact that we had faith and didn't bow to beer or bow to fear, but then be behind the curve that we didn't advance and we didn't sign contracts and we didn't we didn't move out further into our careers and, and we didn't restructure the loan when we had the chance and we didn't save what we could have saved and do what we could have done. God 
wants you to be full of faith, reject fear, have all those spiritual dynamics. He wants you to come to church and pray and speak in tongues and get the gospel. But he also wants your personal life to be a success. He wants your wallet to be full. He wants you to be so blessed that not only are all your needs taken care of, but you can be a blessing to somebody else. He wants you to be blessed enough to leave an inheritance for your children and your grandchildren. And he's opening those doors of opportunity. But you got to make good. Good decisions like paying that credit card debt down. Like strengthening that credit report. Good decisions like not buying the new $450 Jordans. Staring to scowl at me if you want to. Jordans are not a blessing. Going to eat out every night of the week is not a blessing. Continuing to rent and never having a thought in your mind to ever use that money to purchase a home, that is not a blessing. Living above your means so you can compete with the Joneses is not a blessing. God has not created and ordered you for that. God has ordered you for success, for prosperity, for strength, for debt cancellation. Oh, no man thing but to love him. Look, look, it's, it's not about stuff. It's about the lifestyle you live and the faith you live out with how you conduct your business and how you make your decisions. He said, he said prosperity. He's going to dwell in prosperity, and his descendants will have an inheritance. Do you know that your good decisions end up blessing your kids? Your good decisions end up blessing your babies. They didn't even make the decision, but they got blessed because you made a good one. You know, the debt you get out of today could be college tuition 10, 15 years from now. But we don't think that way because many of us live our lives in survival mode. Behind the curve. Just hiding under a rock because we've had so many bullets shot at us. And, and I'm telling you, you, you got to know when the expiration date on your trouble has come. My dad, we didn't have a TV when I was growing up for a long time. When we finally got one, uh, I'll tell you why we didn't have a TV at a later time. It was a religious thing, and, and we got out of all that, and I'm glad for it. But when we finally got one, my dad... My dad, I guess, <laughs> this is my theory, okay? I don't know. My dad may be able to correct this. I don't know. But there was this, there was this, kids, uh, this kids singing songbook back in the day named Salty. And great music, you know, great concepts of the word and stuff. But when I look back on it, Salty was a little questionable. And... <laughs> and, 
And I think my dad wanted to toughen me up. So like the first movie he watched with me, I was a little kid, it was Rambo, you know. All right, you've been you've been listening to all your salty tapes for 12 hours a day. Come on in here and sit down and watch this, you know, Rambo. So 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 Rambo and then and then and then missing in action. Chuck Norris. Oh. And one of the similar concepts in those two movies, if you haven't seen those classics, one of the similar concepts is, is there were groups of soldiers in countries that wars had been fought in. There were groups of soldiers with outposts that hadn't got the memo that the war was over. So they stayed in that mode and time and society and life and opportunity and everything passed them by. Because how you live and operate during wartime is not how you live and you operate when the season changes and peacetime has come. It's like Pastor John prophesied to you earlier. It's time to sing a new song. Old song's over. God's turned the track. It's a different song. And you look crazy dancing out of tune like you're about to lose your life, like you can't advance in your business, like nobody's hiring, like nothing's going to pop off. You look crazy because the song has... He says, he says, he himself shall dwell in prosperity. His descendants shall inherit the earth. Verse 14, the secret. The, oh my God. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret, the secret, the secret of the Lord. Anybody watch Mythbusters? Show me your hand. Do you watch Mythbusters? You know what it is? Okay. I am amazed I didn't know this. But I'm a Mythbusters fanatic. And I own all the seasons and I, I play them before I go to sleep. I, I just like it. And there, there was an episode on Mythbusters where they had a guy come in and raise up a glass and break the glass by singing a certain tune. There was a certain pitch. There, there was a, a certain resonance. If you sang a certain note for a certain amount of time, that the frequency of the note by itself broke the glass. Later in the episode, they destroyed a car with nothing but speakers playing certain frequencies. The speakers literally rattled the car off of its frame it tore up the seats. It took the seats off the track. It broke all the windows out. That car was jacked up, and no physical object touched it at all. It was just certain sounds and frequencies coming out of a speaker. And I thought to myself, who would have thought that sound could destroy something? Then I went and read the book of Joshua. The people of God are standing in front of impenetrable walls that they cannot climb, that they cannot scale, that they, they don't have any dynamite to blow it up. And God gave them a, a secret. 
God had a secret that would bring the walls down. He said, first, I want you to march around that thing and shake the ground up. He said, then I want all one million of you to make a shout and release the resonance from your vocal cords. And then I want you to release a sound from the trumpet. And everybody reads the story of Joshua and, and, and the Jericho walls falling down, and they think it's some mystical spiritual thing. It was the frequencies of the vibrations of their voices and the sound of the trumpet that caused those walls to come down. God brought the walls down with a secret. There's not a wall you have in your business. There's not a wall you have on your job. There's not a wall you have in your financial life. There's not a wall of debt that you have in your financial life. There's not a wall of lack that you have in your financial life that God doesn't have a secret for. Boy, it'd be good to, to learn some secrets from God, wouldn't it? You know, all those years, God knew that about sound frequency. And and when his people got into a situation where they couldn't get through a wall, he just dropped a secret on them. God's dropping secrets on you in this service. He's dropping secrets. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord for that investment account. The secret of the Lord for that retirement account. The secret of the Lord for your business. The secret of the Lord for your personal finances. The secret of the Lord for your savings account. The secret of the Lord for your checking account. The secret of the Lord to get out of debt. The secret of the Lord to pay your house off 10 years faster. The secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord to make better decisions with that auto loan, the secret of the Lord, the secret of the Lord, because there's somebody that would sell it $5,000 cheaper, but, but you don't know it yet because it's a secret, but the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he will show them his covenant. Point number three, hear the secret. There's a secret right now that will advance your life to a whole nother level. But you got to hear the secret. You got to hear the secret. Look at Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, 3. Look at God talk. Isaiah 45, 3. Look at him. Come on now. Isaiah 45, 3. I need it. Isaiah 45, 3. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 45, 3. Let's go there quickly. Look at this. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Okay. There's some riches stored up for you this morning. I don't mean they have to be earned. I don't mean they have to be dug out. I don't mean they have to be, you know, mined for. I mean, there's some riches right now with your name on it in secret places. And one of the benefits, one of the benefits of coming to God and accepting Jesus, one of the benefits, certainly salvation and, and, and certainly uh, cleaning up your moral life through sanctification. Certainly all those wonderful things. Those are all incredible benefits. But another benefit is God will tell you secrets. He'll, he'll show you where secret jobs are. 
jobs you don't qualify for, but you get because you were in the right place at the right time because you heard a secret. Secret of the Lord is with them to fear him. He'll show them his covenant. And then finally, verse 15, uh, Psalm 25, 15. For those of us that have gotten ourselves in a mess because of bad decisions, for those of us that have gotten ourselves in a tight spot because of bad decisions, and you're still living with the repercussions, you're still living with the negative effects, and it, it feels like it's restricting you. And you say, Pastor, I want to advance. I want to do more. But my feet are all tied up because of the last bad decision that I made. And I'm nervous about trying to do anything else. Look at what, look at what David says in Psalm 25, 15. He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Now, what he's referencing there is a hunter, a fowler catches birds in a net. And David said, it's not that God kept me from going into the net because some of us are so stubborn. Even when we're warned, don't do that. Our dumb self runs right into it anyway. You know, he said, it's not, it's not that God kept me out of the net. He said, I love him. And my eyes are going to ever be toward him because when I got in the net, when I got in the snare of my own bad decisions, God came and he plucked me out of it. Sometimes you just need him to pull you out. Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes you just need him to pull you out of a bad business deal. Sometimes you just need him to pull you out of a bad purchase. Sometimes you just need, to, you need him to pull you out of, of, of the debt that you're in and the lack that you're in. And David said he can do it. David said, that's why I'm always going to look to you. That's why I'm always going to focus on you and pray to you and bring my decisions to you because you have the ability not only to give me wise counsel before I go into something, but even if I don't listen and I'm stubborn, I go my own way. You, God, have the ability to pluck me out when my feet get caught. Give the Lord a praise. Stand to your feet. All right, look. This ain't, for, this ain't for everybody. I, I don't want you to respond out of any kind of <clears throat> feeling of necessity. Um, one of the things a priest is supposed to do, you know, the priest, they, they perform certain things for salvation. You know, so, so I would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you for salvation. Okay. Um, I would serve you communion. That has to do with salvation. I would baptize you. That all has to do with salvation. Priests also teach so that a doctrinal faith base can be established and people can walk with God in, uh, in strength and in knowledge and not be ignorant. But another thing a priest is commanded to do in the scripture, he's, he's commanded to bless people. Okay. Now, there's a few of you in the room today that have some big, and it's not everybody, so don't be dishonest, but you have some big, major decisions coming up. And you need help with it. Big decisions financially, particularly financially. Big decisions regarding relocating and that sort of thing, having to do with business and future and all that. You got big decisions coming up. Or you got big decisions on whether to advance in your business or whether to go for another level, uh, whether to take those classes or just try without. You know, there's a lot of things weighing, and you got a big decision. In fact, you came in here today dealing with and thinking about the decision 
I want to bless you. So if that's you, come. I want to pray over you. If that's you, if you got something like that going on, come. I want to pray. We want to pray. And just uh, the leaders are going to help them line up all across here. I want to pray and speak blessing over you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor Jeff, I need them in three lines, if you can, or two lines at least, so I can move quickly. The Lord instructed me to lay hands on every one of them that was facing a big decision. Big decision. Big decision. Big decision. Big decision. Big decision. You got a big decision. Listen, that's why God led you here this morning, to speak his word to you concerning that decision. To speak his word to you concerning that decision. Remember what the word said. Remember what the word said. And remember those three things that keep us from making good decisions. Fear or the uncomfortability of uncertainty or a paranoid and a nervous mind. That's not for you. You need to reject those things. And sin causes paranoia. Right now where you're standing, you can repent of your sins. You can ask God to forgive you. You can leave that paranoia behind and don't bring that into the decision. In fact, let's just do that right now. Let's pray what David prayed. Let's say, God, for your namesake, pardon my iniquity and forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, God, help me repent. Help me be better. Lead me and guide me. And now let's pray this. God, teach me what to choose. That's all David. I mean, basically, we just prayed what David prayed in that song. God, forgive me of my sin. Pardon my iniquity. And teach me. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me what to choose. Teach me which direction to go on this decision. So right now, listen. Right now, listen. We're just going to pray for you. It's not me doing the work. I only have the power that God has allocated me. But we're going to pray with you and believe that as you invite God into these big decisions, that God will teach you what to choose, that he'll show you, either with a still small voice on the inside or with a call, a confirmation, or with you discovering something or you getting some new information as you're investigating it, that somehow, some way, God will lead you in the choice that you need to make. In Jesus' name, y'all sing something while I pray in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you. Don't deserve it. You 
take the broken things and raise them to glory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand and learn to feed every battle you've won. I am who you say I Sorry. 
It's 
It's time to do something that makes you engage your faith. It's time for you to do something that makes you that makes you stretch and believe God for more. This time of hiding under a rock because nobody's hiring and nobody's advancing and everything's shut down and nobody's going out, nobody's doing that time is over. Don't get stuck in, in missing in action, you know? Don't, don't get stuck in, a, in an army fortress, you know, hiding and preparing your defenses when the war is over. The blessing of the Lord is on you. Go and do something with it in Jesus' name. If you want to sow an offering or sow a seed into something that was spoken, you can get it now. Watching me online, if you have a seed, you want to sow into the word. The word was prophetic today. You might want to sow something on it. The word was powerful today. You might want to sow something on it. So if you have an offering, a seed you'd like to sow into that prophetic word, you can come and you can bring it out. Father, bless the finances of your people. Bless the finances of your people as they give into your kingdom. Our tithe belongs to you, but our offering is what we give because we love you and we believe your word and we want to sow into it and receive a harvest from it. So, Lord God, you see every person purposing in their heart to give in this offering right now. I pray you rain on their seed. I pray you increase them and advance them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you Wednesday.